I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Hi guys, welcome back to episode seven of the Sports Sit Down. Um, today I'm with Joe and Nathan once again, they're back. Um, today we're talking about... Lucky you. <laughs> indeed. Uh, and to, to go through it, our main story today is going to be a bit about the championship, so I know that Joe's around to go on that. Um, also talking about Conor McGregor, Not in, he's in the news, not for a good reason. Um, Premier League... Uh, Champions League from last week and also just more of like a serious discussion which is um, which is a little bit different to what we normally do so hi guys how are we doing I'm good thank you uh, yeah very yourself very good. yeah very good thank you I'm just ready to crack on with some championship stuff boys um, yeah Joe there was uh, some stuff and Nathan as well I think you spoke about it you know in the, the Birmingham City you know versus Villa game I think it was a little Jack Grealish Took one to the head. Yeah, little little local derby. Uh, what what do you call that? We've got the second Birmingham, city. Yeah, or Birmingham second, second city or Birmingham second city, city derby. Um, yeah, Birmingham derby. Yeah. Was it? It was about the ninth or tenth minute of the game. Yeah, it? it was early on. Yeah, it was very early on. And a fan from the Birmingham side ran on and proceeded to punch Jack Grealish, who is Villa's captain. Am I yeah, correct? on the uh, day it was yeah. in the back of a neck, um, which obviously. Birmingham City uh, Football Club have came out and said we, we had nothing to do with it at all, anything like that. Um, Nathan's got more on it as well. Yeah, yeah. he's been jailed for 14 weeks for assault. He's been forced to pay £100 in compensation to Jack Grealish. Um, I don't know about you boys, but I think 14 weeks is, is not long enough because by good behaviour and sort of that sort of thing in, in the uh, criminal justice system would be out within half, maybe even less of that. Yeah, I, I think you know, it's fourteen weeks and a hundred pounds is not a strong enough deterrent to stop other people do the same sort of thing. I mean, this isn't the first sort of incident on the pitch we've seen this week. Obviously, we had Chris Smalling um, getting shoved, sort of barged in the Manchester United Arsenal game, and then also up in Scotland, we had James Tavernier getting confronted by a fan as well. So, I mean sort of all coming to a head this weekend doesn't it yeah well it seems like as soon as one person does it it's kind of like a chip in this instance anyway chain reaction and like you said nathan there needs to be in my opinion anyway there needs to be more um, more of a repercussion for those that he is he is banned for life from which, every which is fine well, but at least from birmingham event is it 10 years for i think uh, it's 10 years from from any football game in the uk i mean it's banned for life from birmingham yeah, I mean, you can, you can see the reaction straight away. Like the commentator goes and uh, something along the lines of, we've got an idiot on the pitch. People know that something, even, you know, streakers are condemned when they're just running on the pitch, just streaking. Um, but to actually do that, especially when he's not even looking. Um, what did we rate the hit out of 10 boys? Was it was it a solid, maybe make solid connection or? Well, the point, the point, Gary, I think Gary Neville made it after the game is, he could have easily ran on there with a knife yeah. or anything, Weapon. or like a uh, a broken bottle or anything, this, this and he could have easily thing, yeah. like. And none of the players had seen him come in, and well, the steward obviously didn't look like he was in the fittest state of his life, so he could have easily just stabbed him in the back, and like, and also the fact that 
some some um, pundits have come out and said that the game uh, Villa should have been able to say no, that's the game over from now. We will reschedule it because if their players like can't play in a safe environment, yeah, if that punctured injured Grealish for the, the entire game, that's completely changed the outcome of how the yeah. game might go. Yeah, sure. We're looking at a completely different story if that is the case. I mean, thankfully Grealish wasn't really harmed. And he took it in a very classy manner, and obviously he got the winner later on in the game. Um, sweet, sweet, jumping Johnson's. into the crowd, weren't he? Yeah. If, I mean, if I was Grealish, I'd have been running up to the other side of Birmingham fans, you know, like yeah. Ali Bayor back in the day. Yeah. But yeah, thankfully Grealish wasn't harmed. But yeah, we could be looking at something more serious down the line, like you said about because not all football grounds, you know, have the strongest security outside with like full bag and body checks, and all it's going to take is one stupid fan to bring in a knife or a, a smash bottle or any other sort of yeah. weapon possible and you know stab a fan or stab a player anyone at the ground and then we're just looking at a horrible situation that could unfold yeah and I think I, I personally think the the punishment should be harsher and you know I know clubs are probably going to start you know um, warning their fans and you know of the the outcome if they do continue to do this or you know act in this way but I I, I mean that's obviously one fan. It's not representative, you know, representing the whole of the club. Um, but the fact that the the Birmingham City fans, when the the streaker or the attacker was coming off, they were actually cheering him and booing Grealish. I think that kind of um, that as well needs looking at. And because if people think this is acceptable, it's really not. I mean, you know what I mean, boys. I've, I've heard some pundits come out. Gary Neville we've mentioned as well. Um, Alan Shearer is another one saying that the club should face face strong action, such as either a points deduction or having games behind closed doors. And I think a points deduction is quite harsh in that sense because it's one fan, yeah. not a representation of the club or the other fans in the ground. You know, you can't have a situation where a team's getting deducted points because of one fan's actions. For example, what if like a City fan got into a, a Liverpool game and ran on the pitch, did the same yeah. sort of thing, and cost Liverpool the title in a theoretical sense. I mean, you go down a rabbit hole with that, won't you? Yeah, yeah, it's, that's perhaps too extreme, um, as you just alluded to. But um, do you guys think that there needs to be harsher punishment then? Like, what, what would your, if, if it was down to you, what, how do you think you could go about this, you know, making sure that this really doesn't happen? Because three attacks in one weekend, um, and this is only local to us, we don't know what else is happening around the world. I'm sure there's lots of other attacks going on, but um, what would you do? Um, I definitely think, as Nathan said, a point introduction is completely unfair. Yeah. Because you could run on the pitch claiming you were a, um, a fan of one team and it, all it would do is, like, it could ruin a season. Look, yeah. obviously Birmingham aren't really, they're, they're sitting, I think, slightly lower mid-table uh, at the moment. The, a point introduction wouldn't affect them in a, in that big of a way this season because um, it doesn't look like they're probably going to push for playoffs or get relegated but in a season which is if that had happened to maybe like a team like um, Rotherham yeah they'd, if they got a points deduction and their season they, wouldn't it they, that'd, be, that'd be it yeah. that'd be their season gone yeah um, but again I, I don't know about the playing behind closed door thing like I, because that seems again very harsh for like, and also, wouldn't surely the club would lose a lot of money on tickets? Yeah, I, I think pers I, I think personally, you just have to 
whoever the individual or the group are that are doing it, you just have to really tackle it with them and put the warnings out. And, you know, the the um, the Football League need to keep reinforcing this message to clubs that it's not acceptable. There will be punishments. Perhaps, like we said, you know, going straight for the club is very harsh when it's one out of however many were there. I don't know about you, but in the last couple of months and years, it seems aggression and sort of crowd troubles becoming more of a reoccurring theme because obviously we've had loads of incidents in the past with fans throwing coins on at players and bottles as well. Yeah, other objects. I'm, fi- I'm pretty sure, didn't they, was it in the Steel Dar- City Derby or was it in the United game that bottles were thrown at people? Well, I know like, that in the Champions League game, um, between PSG and United at home at Old Trafford obviously there's that bottle thrown at Di Maria Um, that's one of the less serious you know occasionally he took it well as well but um, yeah like even just even from the most extreme such as like racism it seems like you said Nathan there was an incident with Koulibaly the centre-back for Napoli just a couple of months back against Inter Milan Um, I mean, I don't know if you remember a few, well, it must have been about five, six years ago when Kevin Prince Boateng was racially abused. And it was in, it was against, it was a cup game against like a, a lower uh, league side. Um, and he actually walked off the pitch. He told the ref, and the ref wasn't doing anything about it. So, in pro, um, what's it called? In protest. Or protest, yeah. that's it. Yeah, protest. Uh, um, he and the other AC Milan players actually walked off. Um, this is obviously completely different to an, like a physical attack, but it's still it showed that we're still getting these incidents, even though they should should have been tackled at the root years ago. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to overcome these problems because they seem to be happening more and more often, as we've said. Um, I know in like other countries such as Italy, they often have you know nets separating the pitch and the fans, yeah. or, or gated sort of you know walls and stuff, but. We don't really want that in 2019. I mean, that would be a complete regression back to like 30, 40 years ago. But I know Birmingham City's David Cottrell came out after the game and said we needed more security. And like, yeah, fair enough. But then he said, if police are going to be armed, I think that is the way forward. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's just a horrible idea to have armed police you feel on inside edge, football you? grounds. Yeah. And like we like we just said as well, it's only a very small minority so to put the the rest of the fans on edge like that when they're just there wanting to enjoy the football, I don't, I don't know about you, if you Joe, if you want if you're going to a United game and you can look around and there's constant police with weapons, you know, you, you know you're just there to enjoy the football. It would be a little bit unsettling. Yeah, yeah, obviously it's also there's um, I've just whilst I was looking from a Twitter feed now, it's a bit ironic because in a in a a weekend where security was so much lacking in um certain games like the Villa Birmingham game um, a Leeds United fan was removed from the Bristol game um, because his socks were had Leeds badges on and um, he was only five five wow. so that's what the stewards are doing instead of protecting the pitchers wow. they're removing five year olds from um, from Bristol City games because they're wearing Leeds socks so this is stupid this what I mean we need why is this happening who's you know as this person ju- as this steward just thoughts themselves oh let's do it for a bit of fun or you know um but i apparently at the villa game the stewards were seen to be actually watching the the game unravel rather than you know keeping an eye on the fans as they should um so i I think that they need to be 
potentially, you know, spoken to and reinforced this message that you do not let anything like this happen. Well, I know for like big derbies, because mm. we'll see it in Sheffield when United are at home against Wednesday or against, you know, Leeds or Millwall, there'll be an extremely huge police presence outside the ground, you know, ho horses, riot, police, riot vans and stuff. But inside the ground, it's just not the same sort of level of security, is it? No. I mean, obviously, like we said, we don't, we don't want, well, personally, I, don't, I wouldn't want that, you know, rifles or anything in the ground. But Well, one of the um, stewards at Birmingham is getting investigated. Cause didn't, did you see, I, I saw the clip of it. Um, you know, when they all jump into the villa and celebrate with the fans, when the stewards are trying to get them back, one of the stewards is seen to look like he's kneeing oh, some of the yeah, players yeah. in the back. Yeah. And he's been investigated by the club because I think there was clips of, People were speculating that police were um, carrying him off, um, yeah. which again, that's not even good enough. Like, I, obviously, you can understand that tension's high in such, you know, you know when it is such a fierce derby. But I, I, I mean, it, 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 this is another completely different thing, boys. But do we think that stewards should be allowed to get, you know, hired if they support the team? What do we think? I, I think um, the. I think there's got to be a. I, if I were nowadays, obviously with social media and stuff, I'd have a look at stuff on their social media, yeah, possibly. And so I imagine they probably do, but like you can be a you you can be a United fan and not want to kick a Wednesday player in the back of their well in their back if they score. So it's more looking at the individual that you're you're looking to hire yeah. rather than you can probably like. I think you've got to try and get a good view of character. Um, and obviously if they've got a past like a football hooligan I'm not saying they obviously will have it's very I don't know who would try and hire someone who's got a past like that for, no. like, I know a lot of stewards are sort of young lads sort of our age yeah and I mean obviously not the biggest built lads and some of these people in the crowds obviously not trying to stereotype some football fans but if anything was to kick off like how can one sort of 20 year old boy sort of prevent anything drastic happening if you know 10 or 15 fully grown men were causing a bit of grief yeah rowdiness and that yeah it's it's a true point really i mean perhaps the selection process for steward you know steward roles do have to be more refined and looked at again by clubs or just perhaps very very where that steward station yeah based on yeah their statue stature because um if it, if it is like a 20 year old who's quite uh thin tall so that somebody wouldn't be able to hold back a, a group of a group of hooligans yeah maybe putting them um higher up in the family stand yeah or something to safe help, like, more with, yeah. help more with ticket uh seat allocations stuff like yeah. that yeah and then someone who's more accustomed with like the fa obviously obviously um i don't know how it is in birmingham but i would put the tougher stewards either in front of the away end or in front of the cop at Bramble Lane, personally, because I don't think you need them as badly throughout the family stand. Yeah. But there, there are still some... Well, there might be some, some lethal... Dodgy speci yeah. specimens in their family yeah. stand. You know, Sheffield United fans wearing oh. Sheffield United socks, you know. Oh, God forbid that, but like... I know Birmingham City have had, I think it was last season, had the most police arrests at home. So it's obviously, it's obviously a wide-scale football issue, but specifically to Birmingham probably need to increase you know policing yeah it's quite concerning um, 
I know there was also a sacking in the championship, a bit of an unusual one. Yeah. It was a uh, Darren Moore of West Brom. Um, Joe, I think you had more on this. Yeah. Um, was he sacked? When was he sacked exactly? It was straight. Apparently, it was in the changing room. Oh, was really? it? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What on Saturday after? Yeah. After, after, switch, yeah. Obviously, yeah. that was a that was a poor result for him. But um, West Brom, they've not had a terrible season by any means. They've they've consistently been in the playoff spots. It's not. I think. I saw a, a, a statement from a club which was talking about how they would like um, West Brom always want to push for top flight football and stuff like that. And I definitely think that they've had a they've had a run of a few bad results here and, there. and drawing with bottom of the league Ipswich is obviously it. And was it was it at Ipswich? Uh, at, it was at the Hawthorns. I believe. It was actually yeah, but they obviously lost back to back against promotion rivals. Yeah. Sheffield United and Leeds and, yeah. and it was away I mean it was at, well, it was at the Hawthorns yeah. when they lost to United a place which is often quite a draw would in my opinion be regarded as a good result if you're going to the Hawthorns yeah um, I think it, I think it's very harsh to be fair um, obviously the, they had the years where Poulos was in charge and you know he did very well with the, the what he had available um, and then they had they went through you know, like Pardew, and then they got to Moore, uh, Darren Moore. Uh, and there's actually a West Brom fan that lives in my accommodation as well. And he, he was re- like, on the evening that it happened, he was fuming. Um, and as much as he said that it is quite painful to watch West Brom week in, week out, just because it's not, you know, like the quality of premiership. Um, he just said that how well he did. You know, the bounce when he came in at the end of yeah. last season when he when they beat, I think, United, Arsenal, Newcastle away, you know, picked up some really impressive results. Um, and obviously, he's not doing bad this year. They, I think, how long did you say they've been in the in the top six? For um, they've been in the playoff places since November the 10th and yeah. they've been consistently sat in fourth place since the start of last month. So, they're always in and around the playoffs, aren't they? Yeah, so it, it, to me, it's a very odd one. Um You've got teams like Forest that do tend to chop and change with managers. And I know teams are now and owners are wanting more and more from the squad because so they're investing more. But when um, Darren Moore, young British coach, who's really brought the young players through, the likes of Sam Field, Jonathan Lecco, um, for me, it's a bit surprising. I, I was a bit shocked when I heard it, especially in the manner as well. I think it's a bit disrespectful to someone who's been at the club for so long. He knows inside out. It, to me, it's bang out of order, really. Well, if their reasoning is because they he didn't think that he was the man to get them automatic promotion or get them promotion in general, why was he kept on as coach or why was he appointed at the start of the season if he f- they didn't think he was the right person? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sort of sense. Um, West Brom's, def- in my opinion, bit, whilst they've scored a significantly high amount of goals this season, they've conceded so many compared to the teams around them. It's just... That is where they're letting themselves down a bit, in my opinion. Um, possibly a change in defence. And I think, didn't you mention about how expensive their squad currently is? And if they don't go up this season, it's going to be... Yeah, they, obviously they did re- they did uh, spend a bit of money when they went down. But um, you have to also think that they lost like Ben Foster and Johnny Evans, two of the players that have been with them for many years and kept the... Like, we also always associated West Brom in, until last season, the season before. We always associated them with having a strong, you know, hard to beat core, uh, and those two were key to that. So you take the two players out of that, um, and obviously they're, they're going to look a little bit more thin. Um, 
But yeah, it's a bit of an odd yeah, one. They've still got some players on Premier League wages, haven't they? Jay Rodriguez, uh, Dwight Gale, James McLean, I think. Oh, oh he's, he's at Stoke. Stoke, yeah. Hagazi, who they brought <laughs> yeah, in. Hagazi, Yeah, going to be on quite a so, bit. So, I mean, if, if they don't get automatic promotion, then they're probably going to have to sell quite a, bit, a large chunk of their, their squad, aren't they? Well, even like Gareth Barry, Jake Livermore. Um, yeah. I mean, is there anything else you boys wanted to add about West Brom? Um, who are they playing this weekend? This week, I think they're playing tonight. They're playing Swansea tomorrow um, at home. So hopefully, if we can get a good result by, uh, from them. Well, you're not hoping for it, are you? Oh, well, <laughs> um, I think I think they're kind of. I think it's a free horse race at the moment for automatic promotion. I think West Brom are a bit too far out of it. Well, it depends because the managers just quickly guys uh, they are looking at. Uh, I think they're in talks with uh, sort of Visco Jukanovic, previously of Fulham. Um, who has obviously taken Fulham up and, and Watford as well uh, previously. Um, there was him who's being touted straight away, at David Wagner. Um, I think Yukanovic would be a, a good fit. Do you? Why, yeah. is, why so? Um, he's got like bags of championship experience and his teams play, you know, really good, exciting football. Obviously, when he got to the Premier League, it wasn't, wasn't great. But yeah, I still think it's harsh, isn't it, on Darren Moore? Very. Um Joe, anything more, anything more to add? Um, no, not really. Oh, well, I know, and we'll keep in the championships. I know there was a bit of a situation ongoing, which we have mentioned before on on the sports sit down about um, Bolton not playing their uh, paying their players. But Joe's just whispered whispered to me that it, this has changed. Joe, have you yeah, got more? They've just Bol- yesterday Bolton. Um, the squad came out with a press release um asking the pfa for assistance with getting their wages because they were promised yesterday they were promised on friday last week that their february wages would be paid on monday yesterday and um that was not um met adhered to yeah yeah um they have just been paid today um but it's it's the same old story i think they have to they dealt with it a bit last year as well um it probably would have benefited Bolton maybe a little bit going down because they kind of they they literally scored in the last minute of last season to stay up, um, and it's it's not it's not on when a team isn't paying their players at all. Yeah, bit of a shame as well. I think we said it before because there used to be like a mainstay of Premier League football when Allardyce was there. He was challenging for like top six, and see them. Well, they were good, but in League One they were. They were good. They, like, they were, when when um, because obviously my dad's a, a Bolton fan. Yeah. So it's often the game which I end up going to the most. Um, that fixture, and in League One, they were they were they weren't a bad team. They were they well they were they beat United a couple of times. Like they they aren't a bad they weren't a bad squad in League One. Yeah. But then you go. I don't think they've got the money personally to kind of. It's the same issue I think Rotherham are having a bit. Yeah. Where it's a, it's a club who don't have the money to contend with other teams in. It's one of those mix and match sort of squads, isn't it? Just players brought from Championship who are sort of out of contract and not wanted by their their teams are at, and then you know League One standard players and just a mix match of. It's not. On paper, the greatest squad going yeah. is it? Big David Weeter. When they're not getting paid as well, um, a lot of the players, when they came to Bramall Lane earlier this year, 
They just did half the time they were just kind of like wandering about. It didn't look like they wanted to be there. Kind of, it yeah. just kind of felt like no passion. Yeah. Like. Well, would you if you were doing a job and not getting paid? It's true. Yeah, it's true. You've got to contextualize, haven't you? If doing you were, you know, if you were a builder, for example, and you've done so much work in a month, um, and you're not getting, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's not surprising that they, they might look a bit lethargic, sluggish, not interested. Um, are they st- are they bottom of the table? Nah, they're not. Switch, it's switch. But but it's looking like Bol- it, it's probably going to be Ipswich, Bolton, and then those two are kind of not. I think they're five points off of safety. Possibly at the Rotherham could go down yeah. as well. Rotherham or um, Reading, Millwall. Millwall. Yeah, or you very off Reading and Wigan as well. A lot of those teams in the past years have been a bit. Um, He's springing up and down between the two leagues, haven't they? When I think of Millwall, well, I mean, Millwall came, was it? I think they came up last year, might have done this season four. Um, I remember, is it Steve Morrison up front who got them up or something? Yeah. Lee Gregory as well. Um, but a lot, like I've just said, a lot of the teams, you know, we see in the past few years, uh, up, down, up, down, ever the since. clubs. Yeah, that, that's, that's the right term there, Nathan. You got me. Uh, um, I think it, it's, it's kind of like when Portsmouth went down from the Premier League. That was, that was plummet. Yeah, um, obviously they're now back in League it's One. Sunderland would be a yeah, yeah, Sunderland, yeah. Blackpool as well. Yeah, oh, uh, I been loved Holloway. At <laughs> it was a fun side to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't even Definitely. a side; it was a manager. I, 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 I quite like the players. I just they had a lot of heart, of, didn't they? Like, yeah, Luke Varney. I remember when they beat beat United. Yeah, Charlie Adams free kicks, mate. You just don't get better than that. It's whipped. Um, just like you. Um, <laughs> Funny, Alex. Uh, so what what happened with McGregor recently? I've heard stories about that, and it's not to do with fighting. It's funny because you've asked us, but you're the one who's prepped everything on it. So, oh. do you well, want to go into it? Because I, I can say it if you want. No, I know that there's uh, obviously he's he's been arrested in Miami. Well, I don't know a lot about this story. So, do one of you boys want to uh, enlighten it, me? He basically, a fan was trying. I don't know if it's a female fan or a male fan. I don't know if that makes a difference. To be honest, but he um. He was walking out of a hotel or somewhere in Miami and somebody was trying to get his picture um, or video him. So we went up to them, hit the phone out of their hands, stamped on it and then stole it um, because <laughs> apparently stealing a smashed up phone is cool. I mean, this um, it sort of all plays into his big demeanor. Yeah, 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 like it's part and parcel of what he does, isn't it? Yeah. Like the bad we, guy, we don't know the circumstances whether he was being like aggressively provoked or whatever. But yeah, just because it's Conor McGregor, it's the sort of thing you'd expect from him at this point. I mean, obviously, it's um, quite you know, it's quite a big thing. But realistically, he'll be able to get out of the if he gets prison sentence, he'll be able to get out of it, won't he? It's like when these um, athletes are done for uh, you know tax evasion. You know, numerous times Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar have been in the news and they often get away with it. So, um, yeah, it, it, there's not much on it to be honest. It's just that he took somebody's phone, which was worth about a grand, and uh, just, just smashed it up. I mean, what was it he did that time when he got in? Wasn't there something beh- like behind, uh, behind like closed doors when he started smashing stuff up? Was it about a year ago? What the boss, um, yeah. Where it, oh, when he um, it was Khabib's bus. Yeah, it? that's it. And yeah. he got arrested for throwing a chair at his um team bus because yeah. he injured a few of Khabib's team. That was the whole big like drama surrounding um 
but fair fight. Yeah, he'll, he'll never get punishment from the UFC, will he? Because he brings in so much yeah. money. For Dana him. White obviously yeah. loves everything about Conor McGregor. Well, it, it makes it more interesting, doesn't it? Because like, other than that, like I'm not gonna lie, I personally wouldn't have watched the Khabib McGregor fight if it wasn't for, for the hype. Before. For, yeah, for McGregor being in it, like he's a, he's a showman. Yeah, and that's sometimes which sports have that need. Like true, but he, he doesn't go about it the right way, in my opinion. Some yeah. like obviously this, if it maybe it was provoked, maybe it wasn't. We don't know, but surely you just ask them to stop, or you know, call the police or something else you don't just smash people's phones and yeah it doesn't it's not a justification for branding is it pre the khabib bus i think he was going around it a slightly better like just being a bit of a um a bit of a knob uh in terms of like where yeah, press conferences stuff like that with like obviously with the mayweather yeah fight and stuff like that like that that's completely different than doing literal and actual stuff yeah, he's just he was just acting up at first whereas now it's um Especially when it's someone innocent on, I'm, I'm maybe not innocent because shouldn't be filming someone without their permission. But um, yeah, like you've got to think if you were in that position and someone came and smashed one of your belongings like that, um, you wouldn't want people to say, "Oh, it's, you know, it just it's justified because it's for you know to hype up his next I fight." Mean, we used to really enjoy, you know, Conor McGregor's antics outside of the octagon. Like he, he definitely brought non-UFC fans' eyes onto the product because I would have never like you know watched Conor McGregor versus Khabib if it wasn't for that. But I think he's just it's just carrying on on and on. He just doesn't seem like a great person. He sort of turned me away from because I became a fan of his, and now you know I'm losing interest in him and the UFC because of some of the like ludicrous things he's doing. Yeah, outside. it's hard to look up to someone like yeah. that, isn't it? Yeah. Even if you know, if even if what they do, you know, they're excelling, it's hard to really get behind them. Um, I believe any other talking points? The McGregor, um, not really. Um, in fact, it was just the main thing about it. it wasn't I'm not gonna lie, it didn't shock me when I saw it in the on the BBC homepage last night. Um, if anybody, I could have probably predicted it would have been someone like McGregor to do that. Yeah. Um, no, I think we're going to move on to BPL now. Yeah, a bit of Premier League action. Um, so, boys, any games stand out from the weekend for you? Obviously, we've got the uh, Arsenal-Manchester United game at the weekend. 2-0 to Arsenal. What do you, do you think of the game? Did you um, see it? Yeah, I caught the highlights. But I didn't watch, you know, usually I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but I personally just think that United looked a bit uh, fatigued you know from I mean I know Arsenal played midweek as well in the Europa League but um, in that competition they were able to bit rotate more whereas Manu made you know forced changes in midweek and you could tell you know Rashford and Lukaku did look a bit um, burnt out I think people because because of Lukaku's performance uh, in the game against PSG they've been a bit harsh on him um, I, I think that Lukaku was played better on the day than Rashford Rashford just looked fully jaded um, but yeah I mean it was so, we'll obviously get on to the Champions League later on obviously a historic emotionally draining performance and you could really tell in their legs in the first sort of 30 minutes it's not the sort of performance you've become accustomed to under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, 12 minutes in Xhaka did you see Xhaka's goal yeah David De Gea yeah. questionable weren't it yeah um, yeah he I don't know. Would you say he should have done better? Yeah. Um, 
I think for the hype they were giving him, as look, so many United fans are saying, world's best keeper, world's best this. I thought it, it definitely did wrong foot him, but I definitely thought he could have done a little bit better. Well, it was straight down the middle, wasn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, it did take a bit of a swerve, but I thought it, it, he had enough time to react to it. Yeah. Um, perhaps this also shows that it's not just physically, but also mentally so much preparation, uh, preparation into each game. Um, you know, just uh, like lapses of concentration, which we don't usually see with a player like De Gea. I'm rhyming now. Uh, yeah, it's, it does happen. You know, he is human. I, I personally didn't think Man United were that bad, to be fair. I don't, I think they probably could have... They had a lot of decent chances. And um, Arsenal... Uh, oh, his name's slipping me now. Arsenal's keeper. Burn Leno. Put in, put in a shift, in my opinion. Um, yeah to like prevent them obviously but you've still got to remember it, how many how many games now in the league has he gone and beat had he had he gone unbeaten before this was it since Ooh. he came in wasn't it yeah but i can't remember the exact number it'll be like it'll be something it'll be double figures now yeah. won't it which is an amazing run and he's taken them granted they're fifth now but they were 11 11 points off of fourth when Mourinho was sacked yeah and now they're like what a couple of points off it's it's He's turned the club around completely. I thought it was a good game. Both teams were both, you know, attacking. Um, sort of later on, towards second half, Arsenal were playing a little bit more. We like retained at the back, sort of sitting, not sitting back as such, because they were still, you know, the front, the front three, four key attacking players were still um, attacking Man United's goal. But they played a lot, a lot more conservative, protecting the second, their the yeah, lead, yeah. which I think. Is good to see. For, well, obviously not for us Chelsea fans, but I think from an Arsenal's fans' uh, perspective, that would be something that they're pleased about because under Wenger, as good as they were going forward, when they had a lead, how many times did we see them, you know, squander it? Um, so Emery coming in seems to, especially with a, a defence which doesn't really, you know, shout greatness to me, and it's often hit by um, injuries. Um, he seems to have shored things up definitely at the back. I mean, it's still not like great, that. but yeah, it's definitely an improvement. There's there's clear instructions there, maybe not being implemented all the time by the players, but you know, it's a lot more organised. Yeah, than I've, other. I think, uh, like you just said there, I think a lot of the time it's actually, you know, individual mistakes such as Mustafi, you know, against City when he just went went wondering, <laughs> who knows what he was, who he was doing there, but you know, Emery can't do anything about that. He can say play a high line, but if one defender doesn't follow it, then you know you can't literally go and shift him like Sarri would have wanted to do with Kepa in the, the cup final. <laughs> but uh, um, hopefully, because um, I'd like to see United get through to the semis of the FA Cup at the moment, because that's what their next game is. Hopefully this loss will um, kind of push him on and make him... Because you saw it with... Um, when they lost uh, to PSG, they then came back into the uh, FA Cup the next week and just hammered Chelsea. So hopefully that can Thanks be Thanks for reminding me yeah, about that one. Oh, Cheers, yeah. Jay. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but hopefully something like that can be replicated. Yeah. Because I think it would be quite nice for him to um, at least get into the final of a... Comp- like. Well, who knows? Champions League could still be on the cards, <laughs> which we will talk about later. Um, anyone catch the Spurs game? Uh, I only saw, saw the highlights. I saw the goal. Yeah, yeah I saw yeah. the uh, second Southampton goal. Definitely. Uh, what do you think that one. to Danny Rose? Uh, for the, uh, did you see the Valerie goal? 
for Southampton, yeah? Or did you only catch the free kick? Free kick. Okay. Um, Nathan, mate, talk us through this uh, first goal that they conceded Spurs. It's a questionable one, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't seen this goal. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> so basically... <laughs> You still have a free kick. I've like seen the free kick. Can you? you I'll let I'll let you guys analyze the free kick. Don't worry. But oh god! But, um, the, no, I've seen the first goal. Um, it's I don't. I think it's Bertrand that goes uh, down the line, gets the byline, crosses it in. The Southampton player misses it. Vertonghen leaves it. Danny Rose then dummies it, lets it go through his legs, and uh, the young right back Jan Valery is there. He actually uh, just fortunately skews it in. I think if he would have got clean contact, then Lloris probably would have saved it. It was one of those where luck wasn't on his side, but Tottenham really should know how to clear their lines. And it was quite, quite. maybe it's uh, to do with the Champions League again, like United, a bit of fatigue, but quite unusual because we've seen against Dortmund, they defended really well with Vertonghen putting some great uh, challenges. And then just a few days later, they go to Southampton and it looks like a, a completely different defence. And... One player, it might be harsh picking him out. There was a lot of hype. And I, when I watched the Europa League final a couple of seasons back, I was you know excited to see him in the Premier League. Davidson Sanchez, uh, for me, he hasn't, he hasn't lived up to his reputation. I, I mean, uh, it's not a bad investment what they made. I think it was 35 or 30 or 35 million from Ajax a couple of years back. But I don't really see him challenging either uh, Vertonghen or Alderweireld at the minute. Um what about you, Nathan? Yeah, I think he's a bit sometimes a bit reckless. Do yeah, you, do you agree? Yeah, him, him and Aurier as well. There, when I watch those two, I'm a little bit on like, even though I shouldn't be bothered as a Chelsea fan, I'm putting my, you know, I'm. Um, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be, I'd be quite wor- worried because they are, like you say, reckless, a bit clumsy. Um, yeah, back to, to Spurs in general could have been two points off the top top spot and then you know if they would have won all their games they would have been champions and now they're something like 10 points off off second or I think or first but yeah what was it two defeats two draws in four games in the league it's just been a complete end to their to their Premier League season hasn't it and well, now yeah. they've been dragged into the battle to top four when everyone thought third at least was safe yeah, for them yeah well Arsenal um I think three games ago, Arsenal were actually 10 points off them, the North London uh, rivals. Now they're a point behind. So like you say, Nathan, there are, there has been, you know, a development in recent weeks where City and Liverpool have pulled away from Spurs. Spurs have been sucked back in. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I, if I was a Spurs fan, I wouldn't feel too comfortable because especially with Arsenal and United, they've got the momentum, even though United just lost. They're buzzing from you know the Champions League and to- Tottenham have still got to play City and Liverpool. Yeah, so it's not. And not they're the they're both away as well, so yeah, um, that could be six points, not one there. Yeah, so that could then drag United and Chelsea back into it as well. Just quickly, um, who will finish top four? So City and Liverpool, we got nailed on. We don't know how it finish, but then I would love to see Tottenham finish fifth. Just, I think it'd be amusing. Even sixth, <laughs> even twentieth. I don't oh. mind. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, and Arsenal. Tottenham no, and Tottenham, Arsenal. Tottenham, and Man United. I was gonna say. I think Man United have yeah are on the right course to finish top four. 
Yeah. Um, Arsenal don't have the hardest of games left. They've done, they've played it all of the top. Yeah. They, all of the top. I think, I think the other three three uh, teams. Spurs obviously on the downward path. Arsenal have been picking up some important results. Chelsea, have sort of come back into it with a few few good results, but inconsistency yeah. now. Um, it's going to be hard to tell who's going to finish. I, I'm going to go uh, no particular order, but I probably do think that City will win it. Liverpool, United, Chelsea. I've got to have belief Chelsea. in the boys. I've got to have belief in the boys. You know, there's no point. You know, if you don't believe, yeah, you don't get. You don't believe, um, you don't get. <laughs> quality quote there. You know, um, can't believe, you don't receive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, but yeah, I'm quite surprised that Arsenal, going back to them, are doing like are as high as they are because I still don't think they're on paper. And this is only on paper, but I think their their squad at the top six is probably the weakest. Obviously, they've got the two superstar strikers, Lacazette and Aubameyang, but you know, defensively. Comparing it to the, rest, the midfield as well, I wouldn't Shambles. say it's the great. Yeah, um, Shambles. but Spurs again. Joe. Spurs again Shambles. chucking it away. Um, quite unusual because what, Spurs, Spurs bottling. No, 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 no. <laughs> not that. Don't don't you worry, Joe. <laughs> um, Spurs defense is usually solid, and like I, I've said, just watched that goal. Yeah, and it's weird that right. their poor run of forms coincided with the return of Harry Kane, isn't it? Oh, I mean. To be fair, he did score a good goal in midweek, which we'll touch on later. But I wonder how many times he said we'll touch on it later. Well, just, I'm just keeping the, the audience in The hype yeah. building. Do you want to um, briefly uh, mention the James Ward-Prowse free kick? Yeah, it was, well, you guys seem to have better knowledge than me. Watch yeah, different angles. Yeah, well, he uh, just outside the D and he curled one in, didn't he? Top, top bins, D. beating bit of Nerese. Um I think only Matt Letitia has now scored more direct free kicks for Southampton in the Premier League than James Wood-Prowse. Six to four, I think. Um, I think, did we touch on this last week? Again, touching on stuff <laughs> here. But, um, James Wood-Prowse for the England team, what do you think? Yeah, uh, definitely. Why Why not? I don't, I don't really think... I mean, the likes of Henderson tend to get in a lot and Dyer, but for me, Ward-Prowse has been better than both. He offers them. something different, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, same with a player like Madison. Been really good this year. Um, especially obviously we've got Euro qualifiers coming up the, this group isn't that difficult like we should be getting through it with the likes of Czech Republic and uh, Montenegro um, but yeah I really I think like Southgate did in the summer um, really trying to freshen things up keep keep the younger players coming in and Ward-Prowse has been really good since Harsen Hull came in giving him a chance he seemed like he was forgotten under Hughes and I think having somebody from the dead ball like we had Trippier in the summer uh, could be really a real uh, valuable asset. He's done it back-to-back now. He did it away at Old Trafford the week before last. Yeah. Um, and I think he's got three goals in in uh, three as well. So, yeah, well, definitely include include him in the squad. Speak, speaking of uh, Southgate, um, if we're finished with the Southampton game, yeah, what are your opinions on Jordan Pickford in the Newcastle game? Because I thought it was a bit unprofessional, if you ask me personally. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Like yeah. I, I personally, I it, do you really think he's good enough to be no, England's number one anymore? Because, and I'm not on about the unprofessionalness. I'm on about how inconsistent, form, yeah. how inconsistent he is. Because sometimes he he saved a penalty and it was a decent save, but then he does stuff like yeah. hands hands the ball to the opponent's feet. 
Like, yeah, should he be our number one keeper? Um, just I, I just personally think the overriding factor is do it on current form. I know he's got. Uh, I know people do say like, oh, he's got he's got the experience, but I think especially in these qualifiers where we aren't playing the most difficult sides, um, I think maybe experiment and just play uh, keepers that have been better such as Tom Heaton and Ben Foster Nathan um, personally I think we all know how much Southgate loves Pickford because how good he is with his feet yeah he loves him that much Joe yeah, um, yeah I think he'll keep, I'll, he'll keep his place but as you said I'd probably probably look to Tom Heaton maybe Angus Gunn Ooh. young young English goalkeeper yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to putting him in the squad but he's only had a few about five Premier League games now. Yeah, at the top level. So I, I think um, he'll. I think he'll keep Pickford, um, especially for games like um, the Czech Republic. Maybe possibly when they're playing against um, teams like uh, maybe Montenegro or Kosovo. Yeah. Maybe teams like that where you could possibly like experiment more yeah. um, with your team uh, with your goalkeeping selection, especially maybe if, if they've already qualified later on down the line. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the bigger one is going to be stuff like when the Nations League come up, um, yeah. who's he going to pick then? But that, again, you've still got another couple of months of the league left yet, so Pickford could turn it all around. Yeah. Um, but in... Nathan? No, I was, I was just... I just saw a new story pop up. Oh, God. It's, it's Premier League related, and we've mentioned this on previous podcasts. Declan Rice will apparently be named Ireland's Young Player of the Year at the Sunday Football Association of Ireland Awards. So that's that's like being named employee off your month by a different after job. you've just left your job. Yeah. yeah. So do you, so is he just going on to this story you just said then, Nathan? Did he definitely, you know, commit to England? Yeah, he has. He, so there's he, no going back. No going back now. So it seems a bit odd that because I didn't know if it was still in the balance, and then they're trying to you know persuade Win him. him. Over. Yeah. Is there, a, <laughs> is there an award ceremony? He's got to accept an award in front of all the Ireland like fans yeah, and uh, press and stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be an odd, odd reception, that isn't it? I mean, that's if he goes. Do you think he'll go? Um, I don't I, know. I don't know. Could be, it could, it could be you. risky. That's the thing, you know. Um, but he might do it out of respect. Bizarre one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Back, back to the Pickford situation. It seemed like, obviously, Everton were away at Newcastle. It seemed that the his, you know, his close ties being a, a, a Mackham, you know, a Sunderland lad, and obviously recently just leaving. Um, seemed like the occasion got a, you know it got the better of him. We could see him, you know, he um, was gloating to fans. Yeah, like grinning at them when the ball he was went on the pitch. Out. Yeah. He was on the pitch as a Sunderland fan rather than an Everton player. Yeah, which might have perhaps when in the grand scheme of things let his side down because that when you've got things playing on in your mind and when that shot from Almiron was fired at him, yes, it, it was a lot of there's a lot of movement on the ball, but he should probably parry it. That's that's what a lot of people have questioned over him whether he, you know, when you when you punch a lot, like I, I looked at um, his ratio of punch to catch, uh, punching to catch in this season, it's been nine punches and three catches, which doesn't fill me with as an Everton fan with or England fan as, with hope. I know he's not the tallest, so when he's going to win you know, win from corners, he's going to struggle against the, the bigger defenders that are up. Um, but a lot of the time, a keeper being able to catch the ball, like when Courtois used to do it for Chelsea, it took so much pressure off. 
Whereas if you Czech keep... was one of the best yeah. I've ever seen at yeah. doing that. Whereas he, if you keep, you know, parrying them, it's going to keep the pressure on your players and potentially go out for more set plays or just invite more pressure. But for me, yeah, he did well to save the penalty, but he should have just really tried to zone out of the whole uh, rivalry that he's, you know, he used to have with with Newcastle and Newcastle fans. Well, out of, out of all the potential uh, keepers for England... Um, mainly Premier League keepers. Um, Pickford's had the most errors leading to goals. He's had four, this season, he's had four um, errors leading to goals, which is, doesn't seem a lot, but then when the most by any other uh, keeper is one, it, it really shows re- re- um, his inconsistency, especially stuff like, um, obviously, against Liverpool, when yeah, he decided Arigi, to yeah. palm it back into the goal and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, and that could have been another one in this game, I mean, obviously, this um, when Rondon, I don't know if you saw it, but Rondon got the ball and he was about six yards out and Pickford's gone up for it. He's made a hash job of it. And he's then, Rondon's about to finish it and then he's just gone and rugby tackled him, like speared him. <laughs> like, really. Like, I, I think that should have been a red. Definitely, definitely. I don't know. And I, when I thought, first saw it, you know, regular speed um, from the from the first angle, I was like, Oh, he's he's just fallen into him. He lost his ground, but you can see that he clearly readjusts and jumps at Rondon. He lunges. Yeah, yeah, and he was so lucky to to stay on after that. So you could already see that pressure was building on him, and I think that was at two 0 Everton as well. Um, so it wasn't just when Newcastle start get back into it. I think he just got way too wrapped up in it, and you know done justice perhaps uh, Newcastle fans will say because Everton did lose 3-2 took away a, chucked away a 2-0 yeah, lead capitulated didn't they yeah I know that Marcus Silva wasn't wasn't happy about uh, the Newcastle goal I think it was the second goal um, one of Iose Perez's because I think it was Rondon was offside he was offside to be fair uh, replays show that he was um, clearly offside obviously interfered with play knocked it down to Perez who fired it in so you're bound to be annoyed about that. But I think he, he also has to speak to Pickford and just say, listen, like we when on occasions like this, you know, if if, if Everton if Everton were going to like a cup final or something like that, the pressure's gonna be big there. I don't I mean, we saw he did get emotionally wrapped up. Not wrapped up, but you know, he got involved in the World Cup. But then this with Newcastle, it was uh he really has cost his team, I think, anyway. Um but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, agree with that. I think he needs to change his hot headness before, for, not only for Everton's sake, but for the, for England's sake. Yeah, sure. Because you didn't. I uh, maybe maybe um the whole World Cup might have gone to his head a bit, um, like having been the only keeper. Did, did we, when was the last time we won a penalty shootout before this World Cup? Oh, was this, it ever? I don't know. I mean, we have won penalty shootouts, but well, not in major. I meant in a major tournament. Yeah. Like obviously being the first keeper in ages if not ever to win I think we might have won one possibly yeah. um, penalty shootout in a major tournament it could have gone to his head a little bit um, I know he did pull off some very good saves against teams like Colombia um, in the World Cup so again it could have all gone to his head a little bit Yeah, you, he needs you, grounding a bit well yeah I mean and you you kind of expect because these guys you know as well as being you know given skills about how to play they're also given you know psychology lesson you know about like being switched on and in my opinion should, 
as much as he was a hero for England in the summer, he really needs to try and break out of getting so wrapped up in, in certain games. So, yeah. Um, is there any other games you guys wanted to talk about from the weekend? Um, not really. I didn't watch the Chelsea game, so I don't know. What about, I know I never score, and I know United scored, uh, not United, Chelsea <laughs> scored in the last minute. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how... Did Chelsea deserve the, the win? Yeah, I think Nathan watched it. Yeah, it, it was this difficult game to watch for a Chelsea, as a Chelsea fan. Chelsea absolutely dominated possession. I mean, at one point, it was something ridiculous, like 82% in the first half. They had like bags and bags of chances, not necessarily clear-cut ones. I, I think Wolves play played really well. They had a game plan stuck to it. They defended deep and solidly. Um, you know, trying to hit Chelsea on the counter if if possible. So yeah, they they stuck with a five man back line and four in front, and then Hotter and Jimenez maybe up, up top. Jimenez supported by Hotter, and then so they hanged on in there for the first half. And then the second half, not too long into it, Jimenez got a goal. Um, it it looked like it was in slow motion when it was coming in, and at that point you thought this is going to finish 1-0 Wolves because Wolves were playing and defending really well and Chelsea just did not look likely to score. He made some positive changes, Sarri, brought Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek on. Um, and eventually, with like minutes to spare, Hazard pulled something out of the bag, a long a, a drive from outside the box, which beat Patricio and it's 1-1 at the end of the day. Yes, not much else to say yeah about obviously game. it was disappointing not to win that game um, especially being at home I about to say well, if, if it was if it was at Wolves it'd be maybe a different story yeah well I, I was thinking it's going to be back to back losses because we did lose to them earlier this, this season at Molyneux uh, after we I think we took the lead and then they beat us 2-1 um, so I was thinking here we go again um, but I'm, I am like we've said before I'm really impressed with Wolves just because and I think that Nuno Espirito Santo deserves perhaps more credit than he does get. I know when Mourinho was, um, when he was sacked, uh, Santo was actually linked with a job. Um, may, people may say it's a bit too much of a jump, but then again, Wolves are seventh and United are only in uh, fifth. So how else is he meant to progress? You know what I mean? Um, but I, I'm really impressed by Wolves. Uh, they, they, it's good how they shift from a five to a three when they need to. So their wing, wing backs will push on Matt Doherty. We often see he's one of the furthest up the pitch. Johnny as well, who I know a couple of weeks back they made re, uh, permanent signing from Atletico Madrid. Um, do you think any? Do you think they'll push for the Jimenez deal to be permanent? Because I know it's a, Defin- a season long. Definitely, loan. I think they've got. I've heard some sort of commentary line it was like 30 million pounds buyout clause I would not be surprised if there's other teams around Europe and in the top six looking at that as an option because you know Jimenez he scored I think I think 12 goals this season and his work off the ball as well constantly pressing him he's a workaholic up front and he's got bags and bags of quality yeah I think it'd be a great asset to any team yeah, well, I'll see for Chelsea. It's next game's Everton on uh, at the weekend. Everton away, not going to be easy. But let's hope that Pickford, you know, his head's not in it this time as well. Um, we also want to talk about the Champions League from last week. Just you know, about a few games. 
Now the main one that stood out, which one should we go for? We're going PSG United. Yeah, we'll start with that. I think. Yeah, we'll kick off with that. Nathan. Puns. <laughs> <laughs> Love them. <laughs> they didn't mean to. Yeah. Um, don't know if you see the game. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, Lukaku scored early on, didn't he? Giving yeah. the side a bit of hope. Um, uh, was it Juan Bernat? How do you pronounce it? Juan Bernat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the left back. Yeah. He got one back for PSG 10 minutes later before Lukaku had one before the half, half an hour mark. And then, so yeah, it's always keeping it a free two. United always have a chance. Um, I know in the first half, Eric Bailly was getting caught out of position time yeah. and time again. It, it, I think it took Oli Gunnar Skolshar a little too long to make the change, but he finally did. And he subbed him off for, you know, teenager Diego Dallo. Yeah. Who's more of a, a adept as a right back. Um, you know, PSG dominated the game, in my opinion. 72% possession. They had bags and bags of chances. Um, Di Maria had a shot which was just agonisingly wide. Um, De Gea was called into action time and time again. Um, and then with seven minutes left, that same left back, Juan Bernat, he hit the foot of the post. Yeah. So, I mean, United were riding their, their luck a bit. Which often in Europe you do have to do, in all fairness. Um million dollar question though was it a penalty in my him? opinion no um i think it's yes I, I i don't think it is but i think that kimpembe is a bit naive to to i know like the saying is always uh don't you know don't turn your back on the ball and he's done exactly that there when he's meant to be the defender for the side you know take just take one for the team it's the last minute i know the shot's not going in but either that or let it go if you if it's looking like it's going over it's a bit like I said, naive, but I, I think it's really it's, harsh to say it's a penalty. It's a difficult one, really, because it weren't deliberate. He had his back turned, his arm, it wasn't tucked in, but it was close enough to his body as you can get. And he's trying to bl block a shot that was going to go over anyway. But I think handball is such a like, sort of grey and unclear area. And under the current rule, in if, if the player's arm's making the body bigger or it's not tucked into his side, then the referees have to use VAR and have to give that decision decision shall I say if I can get my words out <laughs> and yeah you see it you see it all the time with VAR um, a couple of weeks back Otamendi a similar one for for Man City against Schalke and then yeah. it happened again the other week for in the Juventus Napoli game and I think they have written some new rules for next season to make the whole handball uh, decisions clearer um yeah, and this this is the issue. I, I'm for VAR. I think it worked well in the World Cup, but ah, oh, it's just it's meant to make you know it's meant to clearly say this is you know a handball, this is a foul. But we're still seeing when it's been implemented in like the Champions League in this instance, there's still split decision like uh, opinion over it. People, some people believe it's a foul. Um, it's a handball. As guys, Joe, did you think it was a handball? I, me and Nathan posted, didn't. Um, I I think it was. You do. Um, I think that as a defender turning your back and then having your hand, what arm slightly out is yeah. a naive move. Where, okay, if it hits it and you don't get penalised, okay. But if you do get penalised, you can't complain because you had you gave the referee enough to penalise yeah. for. So. Um, I think we can't take away from United though just how well they did it with with like we said earlier with the squad issues that they've got 
so many first team members like Martial, uh, Lingard out. So they're relying on the forward two of Rashford and Lukaku to kind of get them through it. And those two were immense really, weren't they? And obviously took a toll on them against Arsenal. They weren't as fresh. Um, but I think great confidence they'll take from this game. Yeah, that was a historic, historic win, wasn't it? Really emotional, yeah. definitely. And you know, Oli was not was not afraid to bring on some youngsters, Chong, and um, Mason Greenwood made yeah. his debut within the last sort of ten minutes. So I mean, that just like builds for them to be in that sort of occasion. It'll be a great experience for them going into the future. Yeah, it? and they'll be hoping they can bring more uh, players like Rashford through. You know, these younger players can turn into the next Rashford for the next 10, 15 years at United. Um, and what, you know, what an occasion to get your debut, like you said, for Greenwood. Um, I also thought, thought that Scott McTominay was really impressive. He's been in and around the, the first squ- uh, first team squad for about a season now. But he looks like a really, you know... He looked like a, a mainstay player for United in this game. He, you know, he wasn't phased by the occasion or the, the the caliber player he was coming up against. You know, Verratti's a very good midfielder. Um, and Tomine putting in challenges, really just keeping stuff simple, getting the ball, spraying it out to the more talented players. You know, like Rashford. Um, but yeah, were definitely did ride their luck. But uh, it's a bit unfortunate for Buffon, isn't it? You know. He's moved to PSG from Juventus in the hope to try and get that first ever Champions League medal. And with him being 41 now, um, do you think his time's running out to get that medal? Well, how long can he seriously carry on at the top level? I mean, for goalkeepers, yes, they go on a bit longer, but, you know, past 40, sort of unheard of at that sort of distinctable level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Just really good, um, good night for United. But I don't know if you saw about Neymar. He's been given a free match European ban because of his comments post game. So obviously he didn't he didn't oh, feature yeah. in it. He but put on, was it Instagram? Yeah, on his page? Instagram, he basically said that like the decision and the ref was a disgrace. So obviously UEFA have uh, taken action against him, giving him a free match ban in European competition. Still, still surprised to see, you know, Ramos. We'll, we'll probably mention Ramos. Yeah, we'll go on to it now. But um, obviously his comments, which which saw him get a uh, a two match ban because he said he clearly received a yellow card on purpose, and then Neymar coming out of those comments, you know, of all the sort of PR teams these footballers have, it, it's still quite shocking to see them come out with ridiculous comments, which they know they're going to get punished for. Yeah, you know, it, it just some of these things they're going to say needs to be more vexed by, yeah. by the PR sort of side of the things. Well, talking about um, Ramos, Madrid, obviously what his plan didn't really work out because they did actually get beaten by Ajax convincingly as well, 4-1 on the night. Um, Ajax boys, we've spoken about them in depth recently, but they do look very impressive, especially I'd like to give a shout out to, again, Dusan Tadic. Just, oh, did we see the roulette on Casemiro? Disgusting, weren't it? Oh. Outrageous. Yeah. And then obviously beats his man, beats, well, two or three men, Casemiro, the roulette. Slips in David Neres, who rounds Courtois and, you know, slips it in. It, the, the Madrid side was shown, the, an experienced Madrid uh, Madrid side were shown up by, you know, the youth of Ajax. Um, it looks so dis- dysfunctional, the Madrid side now, doesn't it? Um I know they've resorted to, you know, reinstating Zidane as head coach. 
which uh, especially because it, it kind of ended on negative terms, didn't it, after the Champions League? I mean, obviously he went out on a high, but all, everybody was so shocked as to why he left. And now they've brought him back. Do you think he'll he'll be able to, if he's given the back in? Do you think he'll be able to turn things around for them? There's a lot going on at the moment behind the scenes, isn't there? With like Bale and everything at Real Madrid. So yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one because I think Zidane blocked or did not want Courtois at the club, and now obviously he's number one keeper, so like his career sort of hangs in the balance. But you don't understand these sort of things. It happened with Jardim, wasn't it? Yeah. He was sacked in October and then reinstated as the manager in January this year. Yeah. Like, he spent a year out nearly and now he's back. Like, if they would have kept hold of him, he could have kept up his project. Yeah, I mean, but it looks like it's probably likely that Hazard, you know, will he now go to Madrid? Because that was the draw, in fact, for him when Zidane was there. It's his, it's, it's been his boyhood, you know, idol the person he looked up to. So if, as Chelsea fans, Nathan, we've got to be worried by this as well, We've had, especially with the the issue with Chelsea, which I'll just quickly touch upon. Obviously, they tried to appeal the ban and get you know, uh, delayed so they could have this uh, transfer window in the summer to make signings, sell players and that. And that. Um, but this has actually been denied by um, UEFA. So not good for Chelsea, but... I also want to just shout out uh, Matthias De Ligt, centre-back for Ajax, who is who was actually captain. And to say that he's keeping, you know, Lassachon, uh, Dusan Tadic and Blind, who are all 29 years and above, uh, you know, he is the captain and those guys are much more senior level. I think it really shows what a prospect he is and not just playing quality, but also leadership skills. And I think a lot of, he already has been touted to go to like the City and Barcelona. I think his performances in the Champions League are just boosting his price tag as we speak. Yeah, I mean, that sort of mature composure at the Bernabeu, 19, leading your team, he's definitely going to be a world-class centre-back. He yeah. already is, but he's going to be a name, you know, it's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. Um, just like to, you know, back to Tadic. It, like he's gone from this time last year battling relegation at Stoke with with Southampton to uh to bossing Real Madrid off the park. Um, it's mad, really, isn't it? Two assists. Uh, he scored, you know, a nice goal from just inside the box. And did oh, you see nice Lasse Scherner's yeah. free kick? Yeah, whipped it, didn't he? Yeah. Do you think he meant it? Probably look, had a look across the pitch, looked at Tony Kroos and was like, I'll copy what you did in the World <laughs> against Cup. Against Sweden, yeah. I mean, to try that against Courtois, I'd be surprised because of the height, you know. Yeah, six uh, foot six. But I don't think any keeper was stopping no. that. But um, that was actually Madrid's biggest ever loss at home in Europe. Um, so yeah, as I've just spoken about, really is not good you know, for them. But there's also... Uh, Spurs Dortmund as well the second leg of that so Tottenham went away to the Westfalen Stadium um, I do think that Spurs were lucky to win this one 1-0 but then you have to put it down to great defending you know there's a last ditch challenge from Vertonghen on Dortmund striker Paco um, and Lloris I think had one of his best performances I've seen for, for a very long time there's question marks over him you know he's getting older 32 years old now um, but yeah, he was really impressive. And then obviously, look, when you have got a, a, a world-class striker like Harry Kane, um, given one chance, as we saw, I mean, we saw that against Dortmund where he had the one chance and buried it past Berkey, but then 
just a few days later, they went to St. Mary's, Southampton, he had quite a few chances early on in the game and it wasn't the same outcome. So you can't always expect, you know, the strikers to, to bang every game. Um, but yeah, that that was it for the Champions League. And there was more of a, well, there was also um, the Porto-Roma game. So the main, main talking point is that Porto did go through after losing their first leg away in Italy. So um, brought it back to Portugal. They do go through. And one of the main talking points was Dzeko's theatrics. Oh. It was quite, you know, it's just not what you want to see really in the game, is it? You know, um, we see someone, like we said earlier, Grealish getting, taking a hit to the head and he's, you know, risen above it and hasn't made a deal out of it, a meal out of it, sorry. And then we've got Dzeko when he goes, when him and Pepe put their heads together, he sees the ref come and then decides to fall to the floor. And the ref has clearly seen this and isn't fooled by it. So he just books both players. Um, but yeah. Um, and also, obviously, um, uh, Ranieri's gone from Fulham to Roma now. Yeah. So bottom of a Premier League to... Um, how are Roma doing? In well, they're about sixth, I believe. Oh, oh. about seventh or sixth. They're fighting. I think it'll be Europa League this season if they're going to get any... European football. Um, I know he has got got history because he used to be a Roma yeah. manager quite a few years back now. But yeah, Ranieri. I mean, he, he does some good jobs, some really poor jobs, and then obviously we had the Leicester, which was a don't want to say a fluke, but just an outstanding sort of one-off season yeah. for him in his coaching career. I mean, I'm really surprised by it because I wasn't convinced by Di Francesco, the previous boss at Roma. Um, but then to bring Ranieri in, I I think you've they've got to look at this and think more long term. I think it's Atalanta's boss Gasparini would have been a good appointment. He's got Atalanta pushing for Champions League, Playing some good stuff, and aren't they? yeah, really developing his players. And I think Roma, that's what they really need because they've got a bit of an odd squad. So they've got a lot of young players, very young players in the you know the twenty years old region. So uh, Cengiz Under, Patrick Schick. Zaniolo, uh, yeah. Um, but then they've also got players like De Rossi uh, and Zonzi, Fazio that are way past it, really. And then not really got, like they had last year, Nyangola and, and Manolas, who is still there, but is being stricken by injury. You know, those players in between that have the experience, but they still have the legs, you know what I mean? Whereas at the minute, it's, it's, they're trying to blend two complete, complete extremes into one. It, it's it's showing it's it's quite difficult to do so. So, um, yeah, Ranieri back to Roma, a bit of an odd one. But um, there's also, like we mentioned at the start of the episode, there was more of a um, serious discussion, like talking point. And it's more just about like um, equality in sport and transge- like in particular transgender... Um, athletes. Yeah, athletes. Um, so there was a story which came to my attention... Um, about a footballer that did actually have a so went from being a man and now um, identifies as a woman um, plays in women's league a uh, women's league uh, lower down the ranks in, in you know women's football in England um, and I just thought, as I said to these guys like maybe this would be quite an interesting topic to bring up just because it's more to do it's mo- not just so specific to sport but um, the topic the topic got a lot of um got the limelight earlier at the end of last year um, because it was 
when there was a like a, a world championship in cycling in America or Canada, I think, and um, the person who won it, uh, the woman who won it, um, had transitioned from being a man, and I think yeah, the person who finished third called it unfair. Um, and want cycle just the cycling government body to change its rules towards how um trans transgender um athletes are approached. Um, the big issue was, and you see it a bit in this is a bit going off topic, not just sport, but a lot of the time, if you're talking about a sensitive issue, a lot of the time people might claim you you're using you're trying you're saying hate speech or you're um being in this case transphobic when in this case if you look at the arguments for and against it it's a bit unfair for granted for obviously i don't know if anyone knows about this but for um a transgender athlete who is to compete in like women's sports their testosterone levels have to be like at a certain level yeah. the issue is because they're um if that person went through puberty as a boy, their body is still in some ways built a bit more like a man when it's in terms of lung capacity. Yeah, especially in cycling, like lung capacity, right, stuff, yeah. lung capacity, um, muscles, stuff like that. Essential for what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Um, there was um, a woman on ITV um, and BBC. Uh, who? What was her name, Nathan? Oh, is that Sha- Sharon? Sharon Davis. It's yeah. Not Davis, is it? Is Davis. It? Yeah. 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 Yeah, what was this? Uh, it was it's a swimmer from the I think fifties or sixties who came out and um, loads of people have been I say loads of people that's me being like um, dramatic but a lot of people um, have mentioned about uh, um, have critiqued her because she's said that they shouldn't that transgender women shouldn't be allowed to take part in something like swimming. Whereas I said, lung capacity makes a massive difference. Um, and, well, this is just a common thing. Should, it, allowing them to compete in sport, in like women's sports is equality for them, but is it equality then for the women in them sports? That's a fair point. Um, I really I really don't know how, you know, I really can't. I would can't. just like to uh, caveat this is we're just trying to have an open discourse, an open discussion about, you know, a serious issue that's going to affect, like, many sports people. Yeah. And we're not trying to offend offend anyone. Yeah, I know me. Like, like if we... None if, of us are experts either. Obviously, we're all white men, so... But, but yeah, if, if we, like, mispronounce or, you know, mislabel something, we're not trying to cause offence. We're just trying to have an open discussion. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Um for me, I, I think it's really, it is really difficult. And obviously I wouldn't like to be the person having to make the decisions because do you think that uh, would making a trans only, you know, competition with that, do you think that would be singling them out and be a bit... I uh, think we shouldn't I mean? even say them because I feel like saying them is kind of making it us and them. I know what you mean, but I, I because I'm not... It I, depends because obviously there's going to be women that transition into men, men and men. So I don't want to say I know. he, she... Um, but do you, what do you think to that idea? Do you think that, like, obviously I'm not saying this is what I do, but perhaps people my, might My say, issue is I think people would then try and compare, people might try and compare it to something like the Paralympics. How yeah. We've had to create it. We've got a whole nother 
Olympics for people who are disabled. And obviously, this isn't a disability. But it's stuff like, um, I'm obviously not a woman. Um, and you obviously. hear, obviously, um, from a, but obviously you hear more of the stuff about men who transitioned into women, the issues with it more than women transitioning Just, into yeah, men. Yeah, because people because say about the advantage. As, um, say like, uh, what was it? Out of the, the, the hundred fast, like, what was it? So yeah, you, I think Nathan this was that, that Sharon Davis, yeah. you were, you were mentioning earlier that she said, like, I've got no evidence to back this statistic up, but she said it on national television. 2,000 men in the world who can run 100 metres faster than the greatest female sprinter of all time. And 1,500 of the top male tennis players could beat Serena Williams, the greatest female tennis player of all time. So it's not where, like, so is it, if if they've transitioned into a woman, should they then still play the male sports? Because it's like... um. I mean, you can't do that. Yeah, because I know. it's about inclusion, isn't it, as well? And then you feel kind of... It's, this they is are why women at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah, but, but if they're women who have a have an advantage over... Well, this is what um, tennis le- tennis legend Martini- Martina Navratilova uh, said. She's one of the biggest advocates of LGBTQ rights in sports altogether. Um, she, she recently discussed the issue of transgender women competing in women's sport and events. And she said... A male, a man can decide to be female, take hormones if required by whatever sport and organisation is concerned, win everything in sight, and perhaps earn a small fortune, and then reverse his decision and go back to make to make uh, making babies if he so desires. She added, "It's insane and it's cheating. I'm happy to address a transgender woman in whatever form she prefers, but I would not be happy to compete against her. It would not be fair." Um, this is obviously a very sort of cynical take on the issue, but. It, it nails down to not not offending transgender women, but but saying yes, they they perhaps have a competitive advantage against the other women in the field. Yeah, and and although like we said, this is just a discussion. Although we're not gonna, you know, we can't give exact, you know, what we should do. We can only give suggestions. Um, there is a lot of examples, though, to suggest that it it's whilst. They don't possess the exact qualities a man has if they've transitioned to a woman. They still possess qualities which put them above an, an average woman in terms of athletic ability. So, like, um, uh, there was a New Zealand weightlifter who was a weightlifter as a man, transitioned to a woman, and then set the world record as a as a woman as a female weightlifter. Is that demoralizing for? other women who want to try and be the best weightlifter they can and then they, they can't be because didn't you have a um ufc example as well oh those are ufc per, or oh, mma or something i can't remember what her name was it was but whatever it was she ended up injuring um her opponents like fracturing their skulls because she was just so much stronger than them i can't remember what her name was i imagine if um fallon fox was her name yeah Obviously, we want all people from all backgrounds and all sort of persuasions, like men, women, transgender people from the transgender community. You know, it's all about inclusion, and no sport should exclude people. Uh, yeah, ex- yeah, obviously exclude people. But as we're saying, this sort of perhaps needs a more of a scientific uh, discussion to find a solution that would work best with the current arrangements, rather than having an emotional conversation about the issue. Yeah, definitely. Like, like I was saying, um, 
we can only give you know what our our opinions we don't intend to offend anyone and like you said nathan science probably is going to be your best best option in this sort of discussion um and without that you know it's really hard to say what we should do because you don't want to um leave people out but then you don't want to demoralize people that are competing you know it's such a tricky topic i mean it, it's so hard to argue strongly just purely for one you know what i mean guys yeah um off of that interview with that swimmer sharon davis obviously i haven't seen her sources so i don't know if she's right or not but she said a statistic like in america 17 states allow um boys under the age of 18 to take part in girl in female competitions as long as they i if they say they identify as a a girl so even if they haven't transitioned again i don't know if that statistic's right and based off of her i presume it would be because i feel like she'd be a bit ridiculous to go make such a bold statement but if that is true that is is it is it that is that even fair on younger girls who who could train because like i know people who who swim or run or do this who are very high level swimmers or very high level i I know someone yeah yeah yeah. very high very high level swimmers and stuff like that but the boys who aren't even swimming at as high a level are just are just biologically blowing them out of the water oh Oh, if you'd like that (laughs) pun punter right (laughs) yeah i know i know what you mean joe it's personally i can't like i said i can't give any single way we can go about it. it's just obviously these are topical um stories that have come up obviously with as society progresses and moves forward and obviously inclusion everyone but i mean like we see it with the military now and that with transgender women but yeah obviously we want sport to be inclusive and, and move forward as society moves forward and progresses but yeah we do need to have a you know a real scientific analysis of this just so we don't disadvantage other people in competitions it's also sometimes like i've just read a new story which i think was quite recently yeah yeah it was a couple of weeks ago where in america a transgender athlete who was transitioning from a woman to be a a girl to be a a a boy in the middle of transitioning that's why i say it like that um she didn't or he he didn't want to compete in the um female like he wanted to compete with the boys because he was because he was transitioning to be a boy but the government wouldn't let him and made him compete with the girls and that meant that when he did win because he was taking te- uh, testosterone um hormones stuff like that so he's obviously gonna have that up on a lot of the female wrestlers he got complete he got booed he got like the crowd like despised him for it and it wasn't some which he could control yeah there's no place for for that for booing you know it's not it's not the person's fault just because you know especially when you said like the government were involved there needs to be clear message we need to do the research then we need to say you're allowed to do this you're allowed to do that but you're not like you know what i mean you can't have you know you've said then in america there's kids um who are transition transition competing in certain you know categories but then in another regard like you said there they're not being allowed so we need to have you know it needs to be 
uh, represent, you know. In this case, it says that the um, rule was that athletes can only compete that the gender on their birth certificate says. So if he was born a girl, he has to play, he has to compete in the girls. Um, right. The problem thing. with this is. But then, because he's turning into a, because he's transitioning into a man, he's got the testosterone, but they're still making him compete against women. It's just a bit, it, either way, either side of a coin, it's unfair on someone. Yeah. I was going to say that the problem with this in 2019 is, you know, people are afraid to make a make a point or you know debate a certain topic, which needs open discourse because obviously of a fear, hate of, speech. Yeah, I mean people will say one thing, you, you know, using evidence or giving their opinion, not offending anyone, but just saying how they think things should be, and they'll get shot down and labelled as transphobic. And this isn't just for a transgender issue. This is any other different. Uh, you know, it happens with you know racism. Um, Gay, gay rights, yeah, yeah, sexism as well. Yeah, um, it's it's really hard for people, especially in power, to to have a discussion and make changes without, without offending be, yeah, somebody. Without yeah, like last time I checked that that Sharon Davis interview, she didn't say anything um, uh, like bigoted. She didn't say she used the correct terminology. She didn't yeah. say anything um, offensive. She was just laying out facts, and sometimes you've just got to like facts not feelings like facts don't care about your feelings sometimes and i think too many people nowadays as you said are quick to label you something if you're just trying to have an open debate about something and it, it and it instantly makes whoever's like if if you if i could said oh you're being a racist what what can exactly you i've got if it was having a, a discussion about obviously we're having a discussion about transgender issues now if i just turned around and said Josh, I think your point's transphobic. You're not going to have a foot to stand on for the rest of this debate. And it yeah. just shuts down the opposite side of the argument. Yeah. Obviously, we're not saying uh, what we're saying here. We're not saying this is how it should be. This is the way it needs to be. We're just giving our side of the argument. And, you know, that's that's the way it is at the minute, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, um, I've personally quite enjoyed, especially that little intersection there, just something different to the more, you know, analysis of different sports I, ho I hope you guys you two and you guys at home did enjoy it as well um but unless there's anything you guys want to add i think um, we can wrap this think, up i don't think there's anything big going on at the moment well nathan's here so uh no breaking news <laughs> we had the obviously declan rice breaking news earlier on yeah um yeah um that's about are yeah. we going to discuss the champions league games from tonight and tomorrow next week on the podcast yeah, yeah i believe so well, so yeah. yeah do listen out for that guys don't think we're not going to touch upon those you know, city Liverpool. and schalke will kick off um, yeah half an hour an hour some 45 minutes i believe because right. we're shooting this tuesday night guys well it's Sheffield united games more important isn't it oh, of so. course for some at this table <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um i'm sure we'll touch upon all of that championship uh champions league next week but I do hope you enjoyed this episode, guys, episode seven. Join us for episode eight next week. I'll catch you in a bit.